All right. One for the money, two for the show, three to get ready, four to go. Woo! That's right. I'm really excited this week as welcome to episode seven of the Wolf's Den podcast. I can't believe I'm already there. I feel like time has flown really quickly, especially in the state that I'm in because every day, every day it goes slowly, but I keep going back to normal life, which is cool. But in the Southern states, which I'm sure we're going to talk about a lot in this episode, um, it, it's going, it's spiking and we don't like to see that. But why did I say the word we? That's right. The den is crowded again this week as I don't have just one guest. I got two guests and I'm going to introduce them one at a time. The first one, he goes to Quinnipiac University. He's going into his senior year. He does stuff. He has his own podcast called Talking Big Blue with JQ. He does stuff for Empire Sports Media. He's in a fraternity. That doesn't really matter to you, but I just don't <laughs> like saying it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here he is, Mr. Jack Corderaro, my man. How you doing? Jay Money, I just want to say, bro, thanks for having me on the show, dude. I appreciate being on the Wolf Den. I'm happy to, you know, make one of the top 10 episodes, of course, you know, starting out the show. But, dude, I'm good, bro. I mean, I can't complain. Quarantine's been pretty good. I'm just been, you know, writing some articles, you know, doing some podcasts and playing a lot of Xbox. You know, as long as you make your time feel at least productive. And, yeah, I didn't even think about that in the top 10, but that's what we're gonna the way we think about it. And guest number two, this is a man who is just continues to go up and up and up when it comes to accumulating things in the journalism industry. And that is I have three things for you first. He does something called the Bird Brains Podcast because he's a ginormous Eagles fan. He does a, a, a soccer exclusive show with Will Fowler and Jonathan Banks called London's Finest. And when he's at school, he does a show with Nick Melanson and Will Fowler called Circle the Wagons. He's also on the QBSN eboard. I forget the position, but he can remind me right now. That's right. This is Mr. Andrew Myers. Welcome to the den. How are we doing? Jordo, I, I am honored to be on the Wolf's Den, as uh, Jack is with the, with this one of these first 10 episodes here. When I saw your DM, you slid into my DM and said, hey, you want to come on the Wolf's Den Monday, 3 p.m.? I, cu- I couldn't be more amped when I saw that message. I'm here, ready to go, talk some talk some baseball, talk some basketball with you two boys. Uh, and yeah, I'm, just, I'm excited to, you know, sports are coming back slowly but surely, and uh, we're getting back to a little bit of a new normal, so uh, I'm hyped for that. Absolutely. That, that's the perfect way to encapsulate it. That's just kind of the theme of the episode. But the first thing that we're going to talk about is hopefully the last time I really have to go through a timeline about this. And that is the MLB with a little bit more of a positive hint this week. Is that's right. Baseball is back. I'm going to take you through a timeline, an extremely turbulent timeline that I promise I'm going to do as quickly as I possibly can. But hopefully that you can understand what I'm actually saying. So the first one is that Manfred and the owners voted unanimously last week, I believe it was, to proceed a 60-game a season as a part of the March 26th agreement they had pre-coronavirus. The second one I have here is the Players Union was ordered by Manfred to vote Tuesday by 5 p.m. on whether they agreed to the MLB's health and safety protocols. They kind of voted past the deadline a little bit, a little concerning, but no concern here as the MLBPA agreed to the MLB's health and safety protocols and the season essentially has become official. So here are some nuggets. The players can report to spring training July 1st. The season will start around July 23rd, 24th. Teams can have up to 60 players come to camp with only those players being eligible to play. Universal DH, which basically means for those non-baseball fans in the National League, the pitchers always hit. Now they won't. Both leagues will have nine batters, and both leagues, the pitchers will just pitch. 
And players will also be paid full prorated salaries, which means 37% of the regular season salary. Extra inning games will have runners to start on second base. The season will open with a 30-man roster, then 28 after two weeks, 26 after four, so it goes down by two. Teams will have up to three taxi squad players, kind of like a rotational revolving door. 10-day IL is still in effect for pitchers, but a 45-day IL will now be implemented for position players. And as for the health protocols, and I can't believe I have to say stuff like this, but non-participatory players will sit in stands or designated areas six feet apart. So yeah, it feels like day camp again. Um, Non-playing personnel will wear masks at all times in the dugout and the bullpen. You cannot spit or chew tobacco, which is a big baseball thing. Celebratory actions is not allowed either, but gum, you can chew gum. So I know Aaron Boone's going to be really all in for that. Um, The trade deadline will be August 31st. Separate IL for players who have COVID-19. It will be the same postseason format. Now, as for the games, this is where it gets a bit different. 40 games against each division opponent. Other 20 will be against a geographic, excuse me, counterpart. So for example, for the Yankees' sake, they're going to play the Orioles, Red Sox, Rays, Blue Jays. Then they're also going to play the Mets, Phillies and so forth. So opening day, which I'm really excited about is one of the primetime matchups will be Garrett Cole against Max Scherzer defending champion nationals. I know Andrew Myers can't stand him. I can't stand him either against the Yankees. So guys, my question to you is I just came through a mouthful here, but the important thing is baseball is back. Are you excited? Are you cautiously optimistic? How are you feeling about this? I get Andrew, you want to start? You want me to start my man? Nah, you can, you can kick it off, Jake, too. Honestly, Jordan, I'm just, you know, blessed to see that baseball is, you know, they finally made an agreement and stuff like that on, you know, a 60-game season. It, it's just a little concerning because, you know, Florida and states like Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, they're all starting to spike right now. But I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think the season is going to happen as long as everything, you know, starts to, you know, the amount of cases start to go down in certain areas. But, dude, I'm just I, – I have no words. I'm just excited that sports are finally back, Jordan. I, I totally agree with you, Jack. And, and like you said, um, it's really it is a bit concerning right now because we're seeing Florida's coronavirus management. As I said last week, I'm just going to describe it like this: has been piss poor. I mean, the governor himself can't even put on a mask correctly. So I mean, I don't know what tells what sign else you need. Andrew, what what do you have to say? Yeah, I'll be honest, Jordo. I'm a you know you know me. I'm I'm a huge baseball guy, huge sports guy in general. Baseball's my uh, it's always been my number one. And I'll be honest, I'm still not super excited because it's just in the back of my head is telling me something that, you know, with, with all these cases going up and players in the MLB getting, getting COVID, um, it some tells me that they're not going to be able to get this full season in here. And obviously I would love to get any sort of, any sort of season in, um, but it's obviously, it's, it's going to be completely different than what we normally see. Uh, and it's just, it's just, it's tough for me to get answered right now. We're still a month away from, from opening day, which is supposed to be. Players are uh, reporting this week for spring training 2.0 or summer camp, as some people are yeah, calling. Yeah, man, that sounds like day ca- like like literally like a kids' camp all yeah. over again for me. Yeah, man. yeah. but uh, it's, until I see you know you know the, the opening day rollout and and you know the first pitch being thrown, I'm still I'm gonna be gonna be cautiously optimistic here with with baseball. And it's funny enough that the MLB or not the MLB, the NBA and NHL have rolled out their plans. You know three, four weeks before the MLB even came to an agreement. And the MLB still plans on starting before the NBA and NHL. So that just kind of shows you how much the MLB has at stake here because they want to, they still want to be the first, uh, you know, big four sport back in America. Um, but like I said, I'm, I'm until the first pitch is thrown out by Garrett Cole or Max Scherzer, I'm going to, I'm going to pump the brakes a little bit. 
Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And you have every right to feel that way. And you put that in great perspective as it's unbelievable how we go from one end of the spectrum to both sides, not even wanting to talk to each other, even sit down in the same room to the other side of, we potentially have baseball as the first sport coming back. So unbelievable. I'm, I'm more with you here, Andrew. I'm a bit cautiously optimistic because as much as I would love to see Garrett Cole Bay on the mound for the Yankees, cause he got paid $324 million and I hope he gets the pitch for at least at least one season so far. It's just I'm concerned about when we have all these players together, and right now we're seeing Phillies players like in Clearwater and Tampa get sick. So as long as the MLB has a plan in place to kind of go on without um, having to stop it because one player gets sick would be great. I just don't know if we're at that stage yet. But, uh, again, optimistic but cautiously is where I'm at. And another bit of news, unless anyone has anything else they want to say about this, or are we all good to move on? I have one thing to say, actually. Go I think it. the matchup will – I mean, hopefully, like Andrew said, you know, hit the nail right on the hammer. It just all depends on what's going to happen with, you know, until opening pitch and stuff like that. Like, all these players can go back for the summer training camp or spring training camp, you want to call it, and they could all get sick. You know, God forbid all these players could come down with COVID or test positive, and then that's when you got to start, like, thinking to yourself, just like, man, like, do sports really want to come back at this point of the summer? And I mean, the matchup is going to be great. Yankees versus Nationals. I really think it's going to be, you know, a game of the ages for, you know, an opening day game, but who knows if it's even going to happen, Jordan? No, for sure, Jack. And um, again, like right now, like as much as I'm fantasizing in my head, like Garrett Cole doing a bit of a fist pump and not having a beard on his face. um, I just have to remember that we have to make sure that these players are all confident and safe to go out there and we're going to see some players not be as confident like we've seen the NBA and NHL. But today now, if, if, unless Andrew would like to say something. No, I think, I think we, I think we got all the points across here. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm interested to see what, what you have to say about this next point you got here. So the next point I have here is that we did find out one player that's known that doesn't want to be a part of the MLB 2020 season. And that's pitcher Mike Leak, who is set to pitch for the Arizona Diamondbacks this season. He does not, want to be out there for personal reasons. It didn't really come out as to why, but he is now the first known MLB player to not participate in the 2020 season. So I'm going to defer to you guys, whoever wants the floor. What are your initial thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I certainly think this is not going to be the last player. I don't know if there are going to be any stars because I don't know. I don't think there's been any NHL players that have opted out yet, but there have been a handful of NBA players. I think the biggest name is probably Avery Bradley with the Lakers. Um, so we haven't seen any big name players yet say they're not going to play. And Mike Leak, albeit he's he's been a ten year veteran, he's not a big big time player. Uh, but this is you know an interesting case for Mike Leak because he's in the final year of his contract with the D-backs, free agent next season, and uh, you know he's not you know he's not an ace by any means, he's more of a back end rotation guy. He's been like that his whole career. But uh, this is a make or break season for for a guy who you know is getting up there in age. He's thirty three years old, I believe. Uh, and that's start, it's starting to change now where you see, you know, the Justin Verlanders and Max Scherzer of the world start to, you know, continue into their late 30s. But guys like Mike Leake, back in the rotation, guys, this is maybe the, the end of their career here. So, um, it all, you know, all due respect to him for making this decision for him, and that's fine in the NBA, guys. Anybody who doesn't want to play in this, obviously there's a ton of, you know, question marks for, for any sport coming back um, because we certainly don't even know. These guys don't even know where they're going to be playing their home games yet uh, for, for the MLB, so. Uh, I, I applaud Mike Leak for, you know, take, taking a step out and saying, you know what, I'm going to I'm gonna look at it from a family perspective, from a health perspective, and say I don't want to risk anything. Uh, like I said, this is certainly not going to be the last player, I think, that uh, that says they're not going to play this season. Yeah. Uh, did, ditto, Jack? 
Yeah, honestly, Andrew, I have to agree with you 100%. I still think there's going to be big-name players that are going to take a step back this year and not want to play. And that's what I really think is going to be controversial because let's say a guy like Aaron Judge out of nowhere is all of a sudden like, yeah, I'm just going to opt out this year. I think it's going to, you know, change the whole, like, perspective of the MLB and, like, players wanting to come back. Because, you know, Mike Leake, you know, he, he might not be the biggest, you know, role in the MLB or biggest starting pitcher, but once one guy does it, you know, it, it just encourages more guys to do what he does and follow in his steps and, like, once one big name come across the board, like there's going to be a lot more of them. And, you know, props to him though, Mike Leake. And of course, at Avery Bradley in the NBA, it's just like, you know, like you got to do what you got to do sometimes. And, you know, you make a business decision. And I respect them a lot for that. Absolutely. You guys said it both two key things right there. First one, business decision. Like you said, Jack, some players are going to look at more of how it impacts their future than it impacts their present. And Andrew, for career purposes, we're going to might even see careers end even shorter now because in the NFL, we see careers end at 27 to 30 years old. The MLB, we usually see careers end at about 38 to 40. So the fact is, I, I believe Mike League is in his early 30s. And if he doesn't come back, that'll be a really interesting trend we might see in the uptick. But like you guys said, I respect Mike League for looking at his health looking at his family it definitely leaves a hole for the diamondbacks rotation wise i think they'll be okay but it'll be interesting to see if leak wants to come back a year from now considering if things get better or if things get worse we just don't know but it was important news to share that mike leak the first known player to opt out of the 2020 mlb season and now we'll move on to a season that we still don't know too much about even though they announced their formal plan to play first and that's the nhl as what we do know is the first point I have here is the hub cities are down to six candidates. And that is Las Vegas, Chicago, LA, Edmonton, Toronto, and Vancouver. So uh, what I want you two to do is quick. Think of two of the six cities that you see the NHL playing in maybe at around July 31st to August 1st. Cause that's when I feel they'll be comfortable enough to play. I mean, I, I think they got to go, with one American and then one Canadian city. And we have that layer right there, three and three. Um, I think Toronto is going to be number one spot. I think, you know, it's, it's hockey town, USA, or not USA, hockey town, Canada, uh, <laughs> up there in the great white North. So I think Toronto is definitely going to be one of them. And then, I mean, Las Vegas and LA, I don't know off the top of my head that California's what, what their numbers are right now, but I know for sure, you know, in the beginning of this whole COVID thing, they, their numbers were huge. And obviously they have a ton of, you know, land mass and a ton of, uh, population, so they're they're naturally going to have high numbers. Uh, but I'd be a little bit cautious there. Um, I know Vegas is starting to open up a little bit, so maybe Las Vegas. But I think definitely locking in on Toronto, and then I would say number two maybe is uh, is Las Vegas for that American city. I got to go with honestly, you know, Edmonton. I'm going to say Jordan and Andrew, and probably Chicago. I just think you know two big town, you know, cities of hockey. Excuse me. And I just think honestly, like you know, I'm not the biggest hockey fan, but I love following the sport. Like playoff hockey is probably one of the most like electric sports to watch when it comes to playoff time but I just think like cities like Chicago and Edmonton like you know they're gonna bring a you know a fire pack you know I just think I just think it's gonna be great for those two cities I just feel like LA and Vegas like their numbers are just so high and I'm pretty sure they're still like decently high and Andrew you you know you, you said it perfect there's just like so many people there and just the amount of like land they have in that state so I just think I just think it's gonna be interesting guys I, I, but you know I gotta go with Chicago and Edmonton mm, interesting this is a tough choice you guys make really really good points but the more I think about it, my first city I'm going to go, and it's definitely going to be in Canada because hockey and Canada go like peanut butter and jelly, and that is Edmonton. And here is why. 
The Oilers haven't made the playoffs in a long, long time. And now with the chance to do that with guys like Leon Dreitzeidel, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and Connor McDavid, I don't I think the NHL is gonna take full advantage of that because they haven't seen Connor McDavid in a playoff stage yet. And this would be the first time. It's and I keep on saying this on every podcast radio show I go on. I compare Connor McDavid in the sense to Mike Trout and godly world talent that has never had the team around him to be where I think they can be. And now with that happening for Edmonton, I see the NHL saying, yep, let's go. Let's go to our best player. Let's get, let's maybe do a bit of a marketing move here. And the second one I see happening, and I'm going with you, Andrew, and it's going to be Las Vegas. Jack, the reason why I don't say Chicago is I just feel like with the cold weather and, and everything and that sorts of nature, I, I, I just don't see like, it's a, it could be a bit dangerous there sometimes. So I, I don't know if I would be as comfortable as going to Las Vegas where it's they're opening up a little bit much faster. It's a bit bigger. And surprisingly for how short they've been in existence, the Las Vegas hockey environment is pretty electric. So I'm also going to go Las Vegas and Edmonton, but you guys make very, very good and convincing points. So it's up to Gary Bettman to see where he goes from here. So anything else you guys like to add? No, I'm just, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how both the NHL and NBA, when they're having all these teams and all, all these players and coaches in the same cities, um, obviously the NBA w- with Florida, they have the resources at, at the, you know, ESPN worldwide, uh, sports thing in, in Disney that they have a ton of courts and they have a ton of hotels to get in there, but Florida's numbers are, are spiking up. So players might be a little bit cautious of that. And we'll see once the NHL does tab these two cities, um, how those cases go. And, uh, if, if players are going to start opting out or not, once they find out where they're supposed to be going. Right, right. Interesting point. And I know the second thing I'm going to say, and I don't have this on my notes, but I just thought of it now because you brought up the NBA, is I want you guys really quickly to explain which restart plan do you think is better. And I, I will go last because I know which one, in my opinion, is better. Is it the NBA's or the NHL? Whoever would like to go first. I think it's the NBA, honestly. You know, I just think, like, Adam Silver's doing a great job with all this thing, like, not rushing back into it. He said, like, even when the pandemic just started, he goes – we're not going to make a decision for a couple of weeks and like even eventually like it ended up being two months. So, and, you know, I just think they're at a total advantage, Jordan and Andrew, like they have all those facilities in Florida. I know like their numbers are skyrocketing right now, but I, you know, hopefully it's just them peaking like how New York peaked and a couple of States around us peaked. but we'll see. Cause you guys never know. It could be one day, it could be fine. And the next day you can have thousands of cases. So I think, the NBA is just in a better spot because they got all the hotels, they got multiple basketball courts, and you know, it's just going to be the players there. So I think it's going to be interesting. But I would love to see a game and go to one of those live, but they'll never let us in. <laughs> hey, man, that's a dream to go into the worldwide sports complex and just see that kind of paradise like environment. Uh, Andrew, what do you got to say? Yeah, I, I honestly, I love both. Um, it, it, like I said, it's going to be interesting to see once he's actually gets started up, how, how the players respond. And, you know, when once games start going, if cases start to go up within the sport, it's going to be interesting to see what the leagues do. But uh, uh, I'll tab the NHL because I love that this playing thing they're doing, not only for, uh, you know, the last seeds in, in the playoffs, but also for the top four seeds in each conference, having that round-round tournament to, uh, you know, see if a fourth, a fourth seed team like my Philadelphia Flyers or Tabs is the fourth seed right now. Uh, if, they, if they grab a couple of victories against those top three seeds, maybe jump up a little bit. Um, and also, the NHL draft lottery that happened a couple of days ago, the number one pick is still not picked yet, so we're waiting on these playing games in, in the playoffs. That just adds an added incentive and an added bonus uh, for, for this, you know, these playing games for, for hockey. So there's a lot of eyes are going to be on both these sports, but I think uh, the NHL is really trying to, you know, jump back up into popularity because they're, they're the fourth most popular sport, at least in the big four. 
uh, in, in America. And, and it's not very close, to be completely honest. The NBA and <laughs> NFL are running away with it. And the MLB has pretty much been smack in the middle for the last decade. So the NHL has yep. been the little brother between those three. And they're, they're trying to, you know, obviously there's creativity in these things because we've never been in this type of environment before where uh, the entire American landscape of sports has been off for three, four months. So there's going to be different ways of doing it, different ways of uh, bringing your product back out there. And the NHL is definitely trying new things to, uh, to get out there and try to boost their popularity. So uh, the, the added bonus with the number one pick stuff for grabs and then those playing games in the round robin tournament, I just love what the NHL did. But the NBA, too, I love what they did as well. It's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun once these things start kicking off. Absolutely, man. Like, like you said, just put into perspective, the fact that sports are coming back is what really is the kicker here. But I, I totally see where you're coming from when it comes to the, M- the NHL and why that is. And playoff hockey itself is a, it usually tends to be a lot more fun than the NBA. But for this question, I am going with the NBA just because I feel like they've done a much better job of really being clear and concise in what they want to do. No disrespect to the NHL because they announced theirs first. But I just feel like they've kind of left a lot of things in the air and we don't know as much as we do know about the NBA, which I will explain their plan that they have in a second, but I'm going with the NBA. You have a place to play, even though things are spiking, maybe things go down a month. You have hotels, you have the teams that you want, you have the format that you want, you have uh, the coaching. The only thing you might not have is, is the testing, but that's for every sport. So I'm going with the NBA. I completely understand where you're coming from the NHL. The, like you guys said, the more important thing is that we're going to start to see sports are coming back. That needs to be like the tagline or the theme of the episode is uh, sports are coming back. But uh, that, that's that's my job. That's not your job. Hopefully. You're, you're the guest. You got to say hopefully, guys. I mean, right. they, have, they have not come back yet. Yeah, uh, they're yeah. on their way. They're on They're on Route 66, maybe. If this is, this is the most – Sorry, Andrew, what were you going to say? I was just going to say I got some breaking news here with the MLB. Oh, uh, okay. Two, two more players have opted out not playing. Both no nationals, way. Joe Ross and Ryan Zimmerman. Oh, wow. And for Ryan Zimmerman, you know, 36, 37 years old, won his first World Series last year. This could be the end of the road for Zimmerman. I hate to say it like that, but we talked about it with Mike Leake where, you know, guys might start retiring early here because of this. This could be the end of the line for Ryan Zimmerman. No, Damn, thank, you, thank you so much. Thank you for the news, Jack. What are you going to say before I go? Uh, honestly, I was just going to say, like, it all depends on what happens these next couple of weeks. And, of course, like, we're not – I mean, we're close to July, but it's not even July yet. So, who knows what can happen. But this is just, I feel like, the closest we've been to sports in so long. And I just think, like, if football wants to happen – I was telling Jordan this, Andrew, before you joined the Zoom call, I was like, I'm still, like, a 40% chance of, like, my personal opinion of it's going to happen or not. Because, like, right. it all depends on how the MLB, the NBA, and the NHL all go and stuff. So, I'm nervous. You know I'm a big Giants fan, Andrew. I just, I just want to see some football this year. Hey, hey, every everyone everywhere who watches football echoes your sentiments, Jack. And thank you for the news, Andrew. That was really surprising. Not as surprising for Zimmerman because guess what? He is a Nationals homer. He was their first ever draft pick for their franchise ever after they changed from the Expos to the Nationals. He pretty much stayed there like Derek Jeter, one team his entire career. He was able to be a part of their first ever World Series title. So in your head, you're thinking, what more do I really have to accomplish if I'm Ryan Zimmerman? I pretty much did everything I dreamed of as a young boy playing baseball in my backyard. So now it's time I have a wife and kids. I will dedicate my time to them. 
completely agree and respect his decision. I'm a little bit more surprised with Joe Ross. I feel like if I'm him, I might want to kind of bona fide myself a little bit more in the MLB. But you know what? Again, no way am I going to criticize him and say, oh, screw you for sitting out. Because again, this is a really scary and unprecedented health situation. And we don't know where it's going to go and where it's going to be in a month from now. It could be better. It could be worse. So Joe Ross, I respect your decision. I hope you feel better. I hope everything's going well. Ryan Zimmerman, have fun being a father. Stay at home, dad, after everything you've done. So thank you for the breaking news, Andrew. I love that. I always never know when things can happen. That is the world of sports. But thinking of the world, like I just said, the worldwide sports complex, if we don't have anything more. Oh, wait, no, we do. We have one more thing about the NHL that I forgot to say. And I'm going to talk about my devils really quick. And it's because throughout all of this, something that's been written under the sun is they have a coaching vacancy. And it's been nailed down to five candidates. I can tell you one candidate I don't want, but I will go talk about that a little bit later. The five candidates are Elaine Nazardine, Gerard Gallant, Peter LaViolette, who coached the Andrew Myers Flyers, John Stevens, and a surprise one in Lindy Ruff, who's a little bit older, and I was very surprised to hear that name. So, Andrew, I know you're a bigger hockey fan than Jack, so I'm going to go to you first. Which candidate do you see coaching the Devils? Because then I will go last. Yeah, uh, this is uh, every candidate pretty much, except for you said Lindy Ruff, who I think is like 75 years old. He's getting up there. Uh, He's one one of the greatest coaches of all time. Um, I like all these candidates. I think, you know, the new, the newer age type thing, you, you maybe stick with Elaine Azardine because he's the interim guy right now. And I can't off the top of my head, uh, if, if the devils, you know, were playing better once he took over or not, but, uh, he's obviously, you know, an in-house candidate that a lot of teams usually stick with if they, if right. they have a little bit of a confidence in the guy. Um, but then Gerard Gallant, I think would be the number one, um, obviously first head coach in, in Vegas Golden Knights history. They go out and, and make uh, win the Western Conference and make the Stanley Cup in their inaugural season, and they make the playoffs the second year. Um, I think he got a little bit of a short leash, to be completely honest with you, this season. They axed him after a bit of a, a tough skid uh, after the calendar turn, and, uh, and uh, he got a little bit of a, of a tough break there. Um, so he, I honestly wouldn't, um, I wouldn't mind seeing him in the Devils, uh, with the Devils. Um, and then Peter Lavillette, obviously a former Flyer guy, and also John Stevens, former coach of the Flyers as well, um, okay. who I don't think has coached in a while, John Stevens. Um, he was with the Kings, I think, two years ago, but since then he hasn't really uh, been a head coach. So as a Flyers fan, I wouldn't love seeing Peter Laviolette because I'm still indebted to Pete Laviolette. I think it's been six, seven years, but I think the Flyers gave him a short leash as well. I understand when it's time to move on, but, uh, you know, I moved on now since, obviously. Um, and I love Elaine Vigneault right this season because he's obviously bringing us to, to, to a playoff spot, something we haven't been in a couple seasons. But I think top two for me will be Galan Laviolette. The two guys that have won everywhere they've gone. They've won recently with their past teams. Um, so I think those would be the top two candidates for me. Yeah, Jack, do you want to go? Because basically what I'm going to say, Andrews, I completely agree with you, but I'll let Jack go first. You know, I'm because you guys know I'm not the biggest NHL guy. And, like, I know a couple of these things, but, you know, I'm not, like, all into NHL. Right, right, but right, right. I just, I'm just going to agree with Andrew's point. I like the guy from the Vegas Knights. What he did in his first two seasons was, you know, unremarkable. Like, you right. make the Stanley Cup in your first year just to lose to probably one of the best hockey players of all time, Alex Ovechkin. So, in my mind, you know, I'm not the biggest hockey guy, but I do love a lot of playoff hockey. I am a Rangers fan, though, so Alan Vigna, like – you know, he wasn't – I don't know. My my buddy's Kevin Miles, when he always tells me, like, I hate that guy. Like, he was not a good coach. For me. <laughs> but, but, you know, I just, I'm just sitting there like, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. So, you know, but I got to agree with Andrew's point. I think it was a very good statement. And, dude, I mean, you can go to the Stanley Cup in one year and your first season and, like, the first, like, you know, team season is just un- unbelievable. 
Yeah, exactly right. And you, you guys, like like Andrew, like eloquently detailed it perfectly. Jack, you also detailed it perfectly. The people who I – one person I don't want to see is Elaine Nazardine because with him getting the shot to coach the Devils right now has been an epic disappointment in my opinion. I don't like that he has Jack Hughes playing wing. If you're drafting a number one overall pick that's a center, why would you put him on a second-line wing? I don't really understand that. So I don't think he should be the future – head coach of the New Jersey Devils. Gerard Gallant is my guy. He got gypped from the Las Vegas Golden Knights. The fact that he was able to bring them to a Stanley Cup in their first ever inaugural season with all the pressure mounting and the expectations is unbelievable. And I think he deserves another chance. And I hope he goes to the Devils and he can go stick it to Vegas now for what they did. The fact that they fired him for Peter DeBoer out of all people. And that really annoyed me. Um, Peter LaViolette, the thing with him is I don't know if he's able to get teams over that proverbial hump. Like, he can get you there, but I just don't know if he can get you over the hump. But he no, – no knock on his coaching resume because he can coach. He's proven in the NHL. But I don't – he may – he's probably my number two. Lindy Ruff is my number three just because of pedigree. I don't really know him too well. And John Stevens, I also don't know that well. But the one person, I swear to God, if Elaine Nazarene gets hired, I'm going to do what my goalie, when I played street hockey, which I talked about on episode six of the Wolf's Den, go check that out last week, was punch a wall. That's what he did. That's what I'm going to do if Elaine Nazarene sticks with the team. I don't need to see that. We already did. But, again, you guys detail that so well. And I think now we will move on to something we all know, and that is the NBA. As what we thought was their restart plan finalized, Apparently it wasn't because the NBA and NBA PA announced they have now a comprehensive plan, which I don't know if that's really a difference, but basically it's it's sort of the same thing. And this time it's for July 30th because they want to start a little bit earlier. So I'm going to go over it just as quick as I can. 16 team playoff field, eight seeding games, 22 total teams. The playoffs qualification will be seven teams with the highest combined winning percentage. The eighth seed has to be more than four games ahead of a ninth seed in the conference. If not, then they have to do a play-in tournament. And the play-in tournament will work as if the eighth seed gets double elimination and has to win one game to advance the playoffs. The ninth seed gets single elimination and has to win two games to advance. So eighth seed advantage essentially is what that is. And the playoffs will work four rounds, best of seven, one versus eight or nine, two versus seven, three versus six, four versus five. So my question to you guys is, I it was confusing as to why they called this a comprehensive plan, but what, tell me, do you have any issues? Do you like the plan? Do you not like the plan? Whoever wants to go first. I guess, I love it, honestly. I think, you know, the, the eight teams and, you know, or the eight, excuse me, the eight playing games you have is going to be really interesting because, you know, I mean, players are going to be rusty at first. Don't get me wrong. I mean, no one's been able to go, you know, take some shots up in a gym or just practice with their team in general at the facility. So I think those eight playing games are just going to be like, you know, who wants it more at the end of the day, Jordan Andrew? I think it's going to be very interesting. I wish my Knicks were in there, but obviously they're just a, a, a dumpster fire as usual every season. So, you know, I think it's going to be interesting because you're going to get to see guys like Zion Williamson, John Moran. So I think, I think it's just going to be really cool. And I'm just like super pumped. Hopefully it happens though, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I do like it as well. I like the, uh, I don't know if I don't love the, the eight, nine, if they're within four games and you have to play another, like, you know, play in type of thing to get the eight seed. I think if you're after eight games, if you're still not within four games, or if you're still not able to reach those guys, then why well, do it? But uh, I get the the NBA. I think is trying to really push Zion into that final spot there. So uh, obviously <laughs> they didn't want that for the Western Conference. Um, but yeah, I, I like the eight playing games. Gets the guys and knocks the rust off a little bit, like Jack said. 
Uh, and, you know, it, some teams will have more to play for than others. And, you know, uh, you know, lower level teams uh, trying to get a higher seed to maybe play uh, a, a worse opponent. Um, but then you have like the Bucks and and the uh, and the Lakers, the top two, the top season are just really just going to be playing to get the rust off because then nobody's going to really be catching them. And even if they don't, even if they got knocked off that one seed perch, they don't really care what seed they are. They're going out there and they have their mind on one thing, and that's winning a championship no matter who they're playing. So, um, yeah, I like the playing games. I like I like the uh, you know the 22 teams bringing in, letting some teams who are outside the picture. Uh, you know, have a chance again in the last dance. But, uh, yeah, I'm enjoying it. And hopefully, like Jack said, hopefully it does get off the ground and then uh, get going. Andrew, right. I wanted to ask you something. So, you know, you're a Philadelphia 76ers fan. I think they have a tremendous shot at winning the East this year. What's your – I mean, you know, you can be as biased as you want, but what do you think? Because I think you guys are a better team than, than Milwaukee, excuse me, at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, on paper, the Sixers are not the sixth best team in the Eastern Conference. They are a top three team in the Eastern Conference. But Easily. The chemistry has been tough this season. Tobias Harris came out a couple of days ago and said our chemistry has not been great this season. They brought in a couple of new phases. Al Horford obviously got that fat contract, and he's not lived up to the hype. Just hasn't been able to mesh with Joel Embiid down that low block. Um, but hopefully this this three-month, four-month layoff can kind of mesh them together a little bit. Uh, and hopefully they can – they're only two points off that four seed, so, or two games off that four seed. So they win a couple games out of them. We don't have the hardest playing uh, schedule either with those eight playing games. So um, we, we could certainly get out to, to third or fourth there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, regardless of who we play, there's no more home, home court advantage. So that sucks for us, but it's also good for us because we were the best home team in, in the NBA, but also one of the worst road teams in the NBA. So you can wash that out. Um, I think I think it could benefit the Sixers a little bit, not having to travel and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, I am excited. I think we do have the depth to go for it. I don't know if I'll go as far as you, Jack, to say we're better than the Bucks because Giannis, I know he hasn't done it yet in the playoffs, but – uh, I'm I'm a little hesitant to go off a guy who's about to win his second straight MVP award, um, but but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm excited for the Sixers to come back. Hopefully, they don't disappoint me like they have in years past. Um, and I, honestly, after last season with the Kawhi four four bounces to finish that off, I don't think I can get any worse than that. So uh, last year was tough. Yeah, it was. Hopefully, hopefully the Sixers don't uh, can prove me wrong this this playoffs and maybe make a little bit of a run here. Uh, so Jack Tom Kresnowski would love what you said about the Sixers because he's unprovoked he has texted me about the Sixers and how they should be able to stop all these teams and have shake Milton and all these players and and again I'm a Knicks fan so I don't really have anything to really say about um, a team hopefully being in the playoffs because I'm gonna say one thing though and ironically you can think about this way the Knicks are in the playoff every year and that's because of their commentary team Mike Breen who announces for MSG he also announces for ESPN during the playoffs and so does Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy, who are former New York Knicks coaches. So I guess I'll make that point in that regard. But as you guys said about the plan itself, it's logical, it's comprehensible, it makes sense, and I'm really excited to see it get off the ground. And, and maybe, hopefully, besides that, we get some video of players playing socially distanced ping pong as well. But if we don't have anything more to add with that, um, speaking of the Pelicans, like you said, Andrew, because it's one of the most realistic uh, conspiracy theories I've ever heard, <laughs> the schedule was released, and on opening night, the Pelicans and Zion's Pelicans will be facing Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. Oh man, I'm gonna be can't wait to see how their chemistry works out. On so the Pelicans will face the Jazz, and then a potential Western Conference Finals matchup will be the Lakers versus Clippers. So I I love this because you're right right you're getting four teams who all NBA fans really like to watch. You're getting them right on the first night back of sports. You're getting everyone excited to tune in. 
Anything else you guys want to say? No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I like these two matchups. Like I said, the, the Zion getting in the playoffs thing. Um, obviously, it would be great for ratings for the NBA, but people who aren't big Zion fans just yet or big Pelicans fans are saying, well, why the hell are you babying this guy? Like he's a, like he's LeBron 2.0. He's only played 20 games so far. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm excited. To, he's must watch TV already. I mean, you go back to his debut and he was slow out the gate the first three quarters and then he nails those five threes in a row in the fourth quarter and the Pelicans end up winning that game. So, He's must-watch TV already. I'm not going to tab him as LeBron 2.0 just yet, but um, he's, he, he certainly could be on that type of trajectory. And Lakers-Clippers, I mean, that's you know the, they've been the two best teams in the West, maybe the two best teams in all the NBA, no disrespect to the Bucs. But uh, I, I've always said they're the two deepest teams in the NBA. I think they have a little bit deep, deeper depth on the bench than the Bucs do. But, yeah, that's also must-watch TV. Two LA squads, you know, four, four Hall of Fame potential players in LeBron AD. Uh, Kawhi and Paul George going at it, so it's gonna be gonna be must watch TV again. Uh, absolutely, Jack. I think it's I think they're gonna be awesome games, and obviously, like Andrew said, just like Zion, you know, like you know, people have started calling him LeBron 2.0, but I want to see like what he's all about, and I, I'm I'm happy they're giving him the chance and stuff like that. But I wanted to ask you guys this, guys, this. I know this is a super hot take, but what if the NBA did like a season or like you know ended off the season with the playoffs like a March Madness bracket? Like how like I just want to see how crazy you guys think that would be. Just every team's in, but like. Obviously, there'd probably be some upsets, but like, I just wanted to see what you guys think because I know it's a super hot take, but I've always like thought it'd be kind of funny if they did that. Andrew, go first. Yeah, I mean, I think you'd have to make it maybe like mini series, like best of three. I don't know that the guys would go for a for a you know one off a one game yeah. elimination type thing, but yeah, that would that would be that would be absolutely electric if if they if they kind of mixed it up like that and did a bracket type of form thing for this. Yeah, that, imagine. <laughs> that would be wild. I just don't know if you have the time capacity, especially with the virus and the supposed second wave, but I think every fan would be on the edge of their seats if you decided to do something like that. But this uh, format also definitely works as well. So if you don't have anything else to add on that, speaking of the Lakers, the late Avery Bradley announced a little bit a while ago that he was to not he would opt out of the 2020 NBA restart because of health reasons and family reasons. Instead, the Lakers have found themselves a replacement. According to Woj, they're in the final steps of signing J.R. Smith, who will join the roster in Orlando. And the first thought that comes to my mind is J.R. is going to be back with LeBron James after everything that happened in 2016 in I believe it was game six. I might be wrong about that, but obviously we all know what the moment is there and JR not knowing the situation at the time and everyone making a huge meme out of that. So J.R. Smith is uh, deadly in more ways than one. And the Lakers needed someone like a sharpshooter and that's what he provides for them. So what do you guys think of this move? Yeah, I, I think this is, it's honestly been teased. I think since LeBron, since uh, J.R. Was, was released by the Cavs last year, LeBron's over there in LA. He's been buddy-buddy with LeBron for the last couple of seasons now. And he was a big part of, the, of that championship team for the Cavaliers. And then obviously he had a big blunder uh, a couple of years back. But, um, yeah, I like the move. Like you said, Jordan, they need another sharpshooter out there coming off the bench. Uh, and he obviously has chemistry with LeBron, albeit with, uh, you know, LeBron maybe gives, gives him a little too much slack maybe uh, from the mistakes that JR makes. But he's a guy who's been in the playoffs before. He's won a championship. Uh, and that just adds to the, to the depth that I mentioned a couple of minutes ago, talking about the Lakers. That just adds to the depth of their – of their uh, their uh, their bench and the championship pedigree that they add to the to the bench there with uh, you know guys like Danny Green who have been there before and won championships on on the Spurs. Uh, I like the move a lot. I like it too, honestly, just because like you know J.R. Smith when he was a Nick, like you know he was Sixth Man of the Year, so you know I got to saw like you know 
the best of J.R. Smith. And I've always been a big fan. Obviously, the whole thing that happened in the NBA Finals with, you know, getting the rebound and could have just went back up with it, but he dribbled it out. I just think that, you know, that's just – you get lost in the moment of a game like that. And I think it's, you know, a redemption tour, honestly, for J.R. Smith. And I think he – Andrew, like you said, I think it's just going to be like one of those, you know, bench role players that can come in, you know, hopefully hit a couple clutch threes and then, you know – I don't even know, dude. Maybe do like a windmill reverse dunk again or something. <laughs> Who knows? There is a, a man capable of multiple things. So it's going to be interesting to see what, what happens. But I like the signing. I think, you know, give him a shot and see what happens. Because, you know, this this season, I guess, is all about giving people shots. Like, you know, with the Pelicans and the NBA giving Zion a shot at making the playoffs. But it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, that was beautiful wording right there, Jack. He is a man um, that is – Oh my goodness, I'm losing my wording right now. But what you said, he is a man that is capable of multiple things. And, and what's kind of lost here is that we're, we are going to see some players that are going to come back and might get some shots that you wouldn't think they necessarily would. So J.R. Smith, maybe we'll get to see a moment where he takes his shirt off again. I, I don't know if we're going to see that now, but I'm excited that he's on the Lakers. We'll see what happens. But um, one more NBA thing that we're going to talk about is someone that we all know and that was a huge part of our childhood, and that is Mr. Vince Sanity, Vince Carter, as he officially announces his retirement after 22 seasons. And the first words that come to my mind for Vince Carter are electric, especially what you've seen when he did the dunk contest with the Raptors and the spinning dunk and the Shaq face that was so iconic with it. And then winning a championship with the New Jersey Nets, a team, a state that I and Andrew and myself grew up in and actually making that franchise somewhat successful when he had him and Jason Kidd and Kenyon Martin. Surprisingly, I remember all this stuff, but you know, best goes out to Vince Carter because he's a bona fide hall of famer and a surefire legend. So what do you guys think about this? He's amazing. I just, I think that like just watching Vince Carter and like, you know, I'm pretty sure it was, it was him with the dunk at the USA, like in the Olympics where he dunked over like the seven footer or something. So he just, so many highlight real plays you can look back on Vince Carter's career. And I just, I think an overall great guy. And, you know, he's just done so much for the, the whole NBA community. I just think he's a beast. He's a stud. Yeah, yeah, obviously he's, you know, we grew up on, on guys like Vince Carter and, and Melo, stuff like that. And they're starting to fade out a little bit. Um, Vince Carter, maybe he didn't have, you know, the, the greatest of endings to a career. He, he actually never got that championship, Jordo. They, I think they made it to a final with the Nets, but they didn't th- win it. Maybe um, not. I, I might be wrong. I, I'm not the biggest NBA guy, so it's okay. We'll, we'll give yeah, him but, a mulligan. But, but regardless, the guy's a Hall of Famer, obviously. He had a very storied career. Um, never won MVP, but, um, you know, he's, he's clearly clearly has the Hall of Fame pedigree uh, to go out there and, and then, you know, be out there in, in Springfield in a couple of years. So, yeah, hats off to Vince Carter on an awesome career. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to miss the, high, the human highlight reel that was uh, Vince Sanity. Absolutely, man. Are we all? I hope he comes back to the NBA. I could see him coming back in like a front office role capacity. I don't know if I want to see him on the commentary booth because I feel like he's going to be a lot like Jason Witten, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> so, uh, actually, I just realized one more thing we will talk about with the NBA gets a little bit political, but we're going to do this as quickly as we can, is they are reportedly working together because Adam Silver said, the commissioner of the NBA, that they're going to work together, them, the NBA PA, to um, kind of like bring awareness to reform in the Black Lives Matter movement. And one of those things that they're going to do that by is allowing social justice statements on players' jerseys. We've seen guys like Spencer Dinwiddie comment on it and kind of make a joke about it, saying the NBA is in a trillion-dollar debt. But I'll go first. I think this is a great idea. 
I think this is definitely a creative way. It kind of takes a variation off of the MLB players weekend and take it a step further and really kind of just keep on portraying the message. You know that let's not let this go to the wayside. Let's continue to act. Let's continue to move forward. Let's continue to stand up and, and civilly and perform our response, our civic duty and just be responsible and safe out there. So what do you guys think? I think it's great. I think it's great that they're doing that. You know, I'm not, you know, against anything that the NBA does. I just think it's, you know, really good. And, you know, it gives the players a chance to express themselves and, you know, like really show fans how they feel about all this. Mm-hmm. Andrew? Yeah, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think you guys are big soccer fans, but uh, in, in England they, they, they did that the first weekend back. All the players wore they Black Lives okay. Matter on the, on the back of their jerseys instead of their names. Uh, and they also had captain's armbands too. So, um, the, the, uh, obviously, they're, they're taking a step forward there. And that's amazing to see too because that's, that's in England. It's not even in America here. So it's clearly been a widespread worldwide type of thing, this Black Lives Matter movement. Um, but, yeah, hopefully, hopefully uh, the players do take advantage of this. They use their platform. Uh, not only to speak out, but to also, you know, use, use some different uh, statements on the back of their jerseys. Um, and hopefully some of the players in, in Kyrie's corner that were thinking about not playing because they think this is much bigger than sports. Hopefully that, that, that uh, you know, brings them back to the sport and has them play and use, like I said, use their platform uh, for, to bring uh, awareness to the social injustices that we, that we still see in America. So, uh, yeah, I love everything about this. I think the NBA hit it right, right on the head with this one. Yeah, beautifully said. And Adam Silver continues to do so with every decision that he continues to make. I'm completely on his side. I'm a huge supporter. He's really won me over from all of this. And before, I, I didn't really care as much because he just didn't seem like that um, loud of a guy. But that's okay. He's really smart and eloquent and just really is good at making important decisions. So from that, we will finally move on from the NBA. A lot more news there than I expected. And I'm going to zoom through this just like they do on the track. That's right. It's the Wolf Weekly NASCAR update. It will be as quick as I can because I don't know how big of fans Jack and Myers are, but it is a live sport. We have to acknowledge it. That would be a disservice to those people listening out there that actually do enjoy NASCAR because I have watched more races because of this whole quarantine. So the first race we have is – Cup Series in Pocono, 325. That goes to Mr. Kevin Harvick, who continues to get the job done and continues to put himself in good positions each and every single race. The second one was the Truck Series. And the Truck Series is essentially what we can compare to, like, the minor leagues. And, and who won that race? That was Mr. Brandon Drones. And it was his first career Truck Series win. And the irony of that is you would think he had a great day afterwards, but he decided to race in the Xfinity series a couple hours later and crashed in lap one. Oh my goodness. What a uh, kind of like, uh, what's the word? Pendulum type of thing to happen there. That's the word I was looking for. So the winner of the Xfinity series, and this was crazy. Um, we had the leaders who were, I believe were Sindrick and Chase Briscoe. They had issues. We had Ross Chastain. He pits early. We had a caution five laps to go. We went into NASCAR overtime, which I'm not going to explain right now because we want to talk about some other things. So Chase Briscoe, who with all the things that I outlined in each of the other episodes going on in his life, continues to show mental fortitude and gets his fourth win in 2020. And Ross Chastain, it's his second week in a row in second place. So a little bit unlucky there. So the winner of the second cup series in the Poconos was Denny Hamlin, who is now tied for all time lead in victories with six. And it's crazy to me how the announcer, Mike Joy repeats by him saying that Denny Hamlin hasn't won a championship yet or hasn't won the cup series yet. So I'm sure that's going to happen sooner rather than later. Cause he seems to be on some type of a roll right now, but maybe one thing I can get your guys comment on is NASCAR is they're going to take a risk 
NASCAR on August 2nd is going to allow a 35% capacity crowd at the New Hampshire Motor Speedway. So do we think this is too soon? I mean, if, if, if it lines up with the health officials in New Hampshire and then, you know, NASCAR takes the precautionary measures, I don't think that's too soon. Obviously, I don't know if you guys have ever been to a NASCAR race or watched NASCAR. Their stands are massive. Um, I, I, yeah. So, so they, have, they have plenty of space to get, you know, 35% capacity. And they have been doing that the past couple of weeks. Not a 35%, but they have been bringing spectators into the stands. I think they had 5,000 fans at Talladega last weekend. Um, I don't know if they had fans this weekend. I, I watched the races, but I, I can't remember if there were fans or not. Um, but yeah, I think I think if it's if it all goes well with the health officials, this is obviously a month down the line, so uh, they have a little bit of time to maybe backtrack on this or even add to it if they think it's if they think it's a if the health risks aren't, aren't there. But yeah, I think you know they're going to see seeing this a lot in, in other sports, um, but NASCAR obviously is a big one because they're outdoor, they have plenty of space for it, um, so maybe less risk for the fans to get to get exposed to to, co- uh, to coronavirus. So uh, I don't think it's too soon. I think if, if everything lines up correctly, then I think they should go for it. I don't think it's too soon either, guys. I just think, you know, if they can do 35% capacity at New Hampshire, I think this opens a lot of door for, like, you know, NBA facilities, MLB, you name it, like the baseball fields, and, of course, you know, the hockey rinks. I know those are indoor NBA and NHL, but I just think, like, you know, that could shed some light on this whole COVID thing and you really, like, you know, start lighting fans back in the stadiums and stuff like that because, you know, I'd love to go to a game this year, but I know I obviously all the circumstances that are at hand. I was actually going to go – to a NASCAR race in May in South Carolina because I was down there visiting my buddy, but they ended up canceling it or not allowing fans to be there. So I just think NASCAR is really interesting. I'm not like the biggest fan of it, but like, you know, if it's on, like, I, you know, I'll watch it with my buddies and stuff like that. So For but sure. I'm trying to do 35% capacity. That's huge. That's, that's a goal. Right. And I, and especially what we're seeing in the East coast, like things are starting to go down and if they continue to go with this trend, then WWE has done this before. I'm sure NASCAR is going to spread these fans out six feet apart. I hope they wear masks. They can stand. They can cheer. Do whatever you would do at a normal sporting event. But I like how, you know what, they're going to give it a try. And if they realize at a month from now, if it's not the right move, I know they're going to make it. They're going to change their mind. So the Indy 500 is also going to allow fans back at 50% capacity, but we just outlined what we thought there. So now we'll move on to the NFL. And even though it's a new world and and new things are happening every single day, it's the same old, same old in the Patriots taking the headlines. But the first one is a move that I saw coming from a mile away. And that's the Patriots signing Mr. Lights, Cam Action, Cam Newton to a one-year deal. But my question to you guys is why do you think they took so long? I don't know why they took this long. I don't know if that's like a, a, a huge deal or not. I mean, came got the deal done. They, the Pats got their guy who I think a lot of people, at least me, were expecting him to get to go to the Pats once the Panthers uh, released him and Tom Brady um, went to the Bucs. Um, but, yeah, I guess it may be just to be tied to, to the whole coronavirus thing, and they wanted to make sure that training camp was going to start on time, that the season was going to be scheduled as planned. Obviously, that may change in a couple of weeks' time. Training camp is in them for another month, so that could change. But as of now, the NFL is planning to go full steam ahead uh, with preseason and training camp and stuff. They did cancel the Hall of Fame game, but, um, you know, everything else is, is scheduled as planned right now. So maybe that's what the Pats are waiting for. But, um, yeah, they got the deal done. Cam gets a one-year prove-it deal. I would be shocked if he was not named the starter week one. Um, I know Jared Sinem is tad to be the future there, but I know there's a lot of Pats fans who are maybe a little cautious of that. Uh, maybe they didn't yeah. think that this year would be the year as well because they didn't they didn't expect Tom Brady to leave. But um, I like the move. I think it's going to work out for both parties, and uh, I'm excited to see it to see how it pans out. I like the move, and I think Jordan. I think like the whole waiting thing. I don't think it's a big deal. I think just because of how like you know 
big the pandemic got and how like it erupted and stuff like that. There's just like, you know, if you look through Twitter, some days it's all just like, you know, talking about coronavirus or something else. So I just think, you know, it was kind of just like a waiting game. They're waiting for the right time to do it. That's what I think, you know, I'm no expert, but I think Cam Newton's their guy. And dude, I, I, I had a feeling once he, you know, was released from the Panthers, I was like, dude, like New England's going to pick him up or like, I didn't even think of like another team, honestly, because I heard like all like the talks about him going to New England. I was like, yeah, it's like set in stone at some point. I'm just going to have to wait till ESPN and then, you know, they'll update me on it. Cause my buddy called me yesterday. I was on my bike and he's like, it's like, yo, we just signed Cam Newton. I'm like, you know, I, I know what's going through his head. He's like, oh, we're going back to the Super Bowl. And that's literally what he said. He's like, we're literally going to the Super Bowl. And I was like, all right. Well, I was like, hopefully we have a season first and we'll see. But I think Cam will be that guy. Who knows? Maybe he'll be there for more than one year. I know we only signed a one year deal, but. If he balls out, they make the playoffs, you know, don't make the Super Bowl. Who knows? He could be in for another year or two. But, you know, just at the end of the day, if Cam's healthy, you know, he's a threat because I used to have him in fantasy the year. They went like 14-2 and two or 15-1. and one. So, he's putting up like 28, 30 points a game for me. So, it was really nice. So, I'm going to say this. The AFC East continues to play checkers. Bill Belichick continues to play chess. He waited at the exact right time. He waited as Cam Newton. He basically got him for next to nothing. This is basically kind of like a prove-it deal. It's like, do you still have that number one pick talent in you? Uh, Coming off of shoulder surgery, his knees, his age, everything. This is Cam Newton's time to prove himself again and remind the world why he was an MVP in 2015 and took the Panthers to a Super Bowl. So I love this deal. It's a great fit. I'm interested to see how the vibrantness of Cam Newton's outfits fit with the sternness of Bill Belichick, but it's a great deal. And Andrew, like you said, um, I don't see Jared Stidham. I mean, a lot of people do feel Jared Stidham is the future, but I like it for now because he's not, I don't think he's there yet. So I think you want to get an established guy like Cam Newton to come in there and take over. And Jack, as you said, I would hold my horses on the Patriots going back to the Super Bowl because you got teams like the Bills and Dolphins in that conference now that have loaded up and are finally ready to not hand the AFC East to the Patriots on a silver platter. So that's my thoughts about it. And speaking again of the Patriots, 20 minutes later, the NFL decided to cut the Patriots fan celebration short because they decided to punish the Patriots for what people were calling Spygate 2.0 when they filmed the Bengals sideline. And this is what the NFL said would happen. They get a $1.1 million fine, a loss of a 2021 third round pick and their TV crews are not allowed to film games for a 2020 season, along with all their personnel having to get required training on filming protocol. So do you guys think this was a fair punishment? Was it too soft? Was it too hard? Go for it. Uh, I mean, I respect the Patriots dynasty. You can't deny that they're maybe the greatest dynasty in all of American sports history, but like this just continues to happen where they're, they're doing stuff that they shouldn't be doing. The flake gate, you can throw it out the window, but uh, spy gate, that, that was a big thing, and that was proven that it did happen. Uh, and now this happening, obviously. Um, I, don't think, I don't think Bill Belichick's losing any sleep uh, because of this. And, and the, I mean, the only thing that sucks is, I guess, the TV crews. Maybe some guys will lose their jobs because they don't, they don't have anything to do during game day now. So maybe, maybe they get fired for that. But a million dollars and a loss of a third-round pick is not going to kill Bill Belichick and the Patriots. No, yeah, and I agree with you, too. I just think it's, like, another thing. It's, like, like just why do you have to do it? Or, like, why is you even, like, spying on the Bengals, like, film or something like that? Like, they, they stink anyway. It's just, like, interesting. And like you said, Andrew, I don't think Bill Belichick's losing sleep over this. He'll just go draft someone that no one knows about. And, like, they did this year in the second round after the Giants had drafted some D2 athlete. He was, like, the first 
D2 football player to ever be drafted in the second round or earlier than the fourth round or something. So he's probably going to be a stud. So I'm not surprised with New England. I just, it, you like you said, Andrew, they're probably one of the greatest dynasties ever. It hurts me to say that, but you know what I mean? At least the, the team I root for beat them twice in the Super Bowl. So, that, so those are my bragging rights for that. Right. And, and like you said, Jack, it, it didn't really make a whole lot of sense as to why they filmed the Bengals sidelines. The Bengals were winless, I believe, at that point. And it, it didn't make a whole lot of sense. Even though the Patriots were kind of losing themselves uncharacteristically at the end of the season, it, it, it still was seamless. And also, they look at those intern guys as kind of like check pieces. They're like, okay, fine, next, next, next. They can just let those guys go. It, it, it's not really a big, too big a deal to them. But the pick is probably a big deal to Belichick because he loves accumulating picks. And obviously, losing a million dollars isn't always fun either. But – I, I, to me, I feel like the punishment fits the crime. I don't think it was too light. But now we'll move on to the UFC, who has been, in my opinion, a shining light through all of this and has really brought in new fans and exciting fights. And the latest fight that we had was Dustin Poirier versus Dan Hooker in a lightweight fight. And I didn't see the main event. And I'm mad at myself because I was at my friend Matt Travia's house in his backyard having a barbecue or whatever we were doing, swimming in the pool or whatever. It was great. But, but – the first thing we will talk about has nothing to do with the fight as probably the greatest UFC heavyweight fighter of all time. And John Jones teases a holdout, but he remains optimistic the deal will get done. So do you guys see him and Dana White making amends? I, mean, I, I think this, this comes down to, again, the whole coronavirus thing where you don't really know, you know, what's, what's fair in, in these time of days. And obviously the UFC – has, has done very well during COVID, you know, having that break that a lot of people did, but now coming back, having success in, in, in Vegas, and now in a couple of weeks they'll have Flight Island up and running. Um, but John Jones, this is a guy who obviously he's, he's undisputed the greatest male MMA fighter of all time. There's no, there's no denying that. But he has that controversy in his past, a couple of failed drug tests, a couple of, of arrests, a, a one that happened a couple months ago. Um, so the UFC I don't think really owes John Jones anything. Uh, especially with the way John Jones has kind of returned the favor with them with all these suspensions and stuff like that. Uh, but when John Jones is in, obviously he's much watched TV. Um, and uh, I understand where he's coming from, where UFC fighters, they don't get paid a ton of money. These aren't, they aren't like boxers who get paid a ton of money. They get most of their money from pay-per-view stuff. Um, so it's not like, it's not like they're going out there and, and making you know, millions of dollars per fight. Their fight purse is actually usually for John Jones, usually around $1 million, which to, to the two of the three of us is, is, you know, we'll take that in a heartbeat as college. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. For a guy like John Jones, who's clearly been, you know, the greatest fighter for the past decade uh, in the UFC, he maybe wants a little bit more than that. He wants Conor McGregor type money uh, in the, you know, the 2.5 to $3 million range. But um, uh, I think we will see John Jones fight again, maybe not in 2020, um, but certainly I think he will, the, the deal will get done sooner rather than later, whether they meet in the middle or the UFC says, listen, we've given you everything that you wanted in your fight career, but you haven't really uh, d done, you know, the, the best outside of the ring for us. So we're going to continue to give you this money. You're going to continue to, to make money with us. Cause if he leaves the UFC, which I don't see him doing uh, and goes to like Bellator or the one championship, sure. He'll get, he'll get, he'll maybe get a little bit more money, but uh, he'll get more money for fighting, but the pay-per-view, money will not be as big as the UFC obviously so I don't see John Jones leaving it may he may not fight again the rest of this this year but um he'll, we'll certainly see him back in the octagon uh, in, in, in at least 2021 a deal will definitely get done yeah and fantastic I think analysis deal, oh sorry no Jordan. no I, I think a deal will get yeah 
I think a deal will get done too. It just all depends on like when and where it happens. And obviously like with everything going on right now, that's probably not the biggest concern, but like you said, Andrew, all like the, you know, the stuff you do off the ring, like it's still like, you know, takes an effect. Like if you're getting in trouble or getting suspended, like that plays a toll on you and stuff. So I just think it's going to be interesting, but dude, like you said, I've watched a couple of his fights. I'm not the biggest UFC guy, but I always watch my buddy Ryan and Anthony and it's just like, seeing these guys going at it just kicking it like i saw one guy just get like completely knocked down it's just like my stomach dropped i was like i was like this is the sport not for me because like i get like queasy over that stuff but it's it's intense but i don't think he'll get mcgregor money i just think mcgregor's like on a different tier than anyone else and i just think like his personality is hilarious i know he's done some like you know some stuff out of the ring like throwing like the chair at the bus or something like that but i just think like mcgregor's just on a different tier he's he's just hysterical (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's for sure and we'll see if, when and if conor mcgregor comes out of his retirement and as for john jones essentially john jones needs ufc right now more than ufc needs john jones ufc would love to have john jones of course they would he's one of their best fighters ever but john jones wants to repair his image wants to stay relevant so i believe a deal will get done it's just going to take a little bit of leeway from both sides but the next thing i'll go over you don't have to comment on it's just news i found interesting and that is Joe Rogan announces on his podcast that Israel Adesanya, who was in one of the worst main events I've ever seen pre-coronavirus, and Paolo Costa will be the coaches of the Ultimate Fighters new season. So the Ultimate Fighter is coming back. Thank you to the Spotify man, Joe Rogan, for saying that. And the last thing we will talk about for UFC will be the fight itself. Dustin Poirier defeated Dan Hooker in a slugfest with both guys swinging haymakers at each other. He won via unanimous decision and there have been rumors that he might go after tony ferguson next but andrew i'm gonna go to you who do you think will be his next opponent yeah i, th- I think ferguson is probably number one i Dustin poirier probably sees himself as the number one contender now because he, he lost to habib in the title fight and then comes out here in his next fight and beats Dan hooker and maybe the fight of the year uh definitely right. certainly fight of the year candidate um so maybe he tabs himself as a number one can- uh, contender right now in that lightweight division you have to look at Gaethje and Habib is going to be the next total fight, and they're not going to fight until September because Habib uh, celebrates Ramadan. So he's not going to be able to fight until September. Um, and that means you're probably not going to be able to see that next fight, whoever wins that fight, Habib Gaethje. You're not going to see them fight until the end of 2020 or more realistically uh, the first first quarter of 2021. So that means Justin Poirier is going to have to wait six to nine months for his next fight. And I don't think he's the type of guy riding high over this one, albeit he took a lot of damage in this fight. I don't think he's going to want to wait that long. So – Tony Ferguson wants to jump in there. That could, that'll be a title eliminator. The winner of that fight gets the gets the winner of uh, of Habib Gaethje for the title again in early 2021. I think that's definitely a realistic possibility. Maybe Conor McGregor comes back out here and says, you know what, I want a piece of Diamond Poirier, and maybe they get it going a little bit. But uh, that lightweight division is, continues to be, you know, a back and forth. Habib has been reigning supreme since he beat Conor. Um, but uh, he's, he's, he's certainly a, a, a must-watch division for those top six or seven guys that go out there and play. It's really interesting to see uh, who Poirier gets next up. But I think Ferguson is definitely a number one guy. Well said. Well said. Jack? I think it, I think it's going to be Ferguson, too, because I've seen a couple Ferguson fights, and, like, you know, Poirier and Ferguson, they just I just can see them both going at it. I'm not – obviously, like I said, I'm not the biggest UFC guy, but I like to watch the occasional fights here and there, and I've just seen a couple of Ferguson's fights over, like, you know, the past couple of months and a year or two. So it's just, like – it's astonishing to see like what he does and stuff. And I just think these guys would go at it. So it's like really exciting. And I think McGregor, Andrew, like you said, he'll make a run somewhere in there. He's going to like, you know, didn't he just say the other day, like he retired or something again, or like, he just like says this statement and then he'll just be like, I'm back. And then it's just like out of nowhere. So 
I think he'll come back. And I think he'll, you know, they're all fighting for these things, you know, the championship, the title belt. So I think it's going to be interesting to see. I should start watching more because, like, now I'm thinking of this. It's kind of, like, hyping me up. I'm like, yeah. I should start watching this more. Yeah, man, it definitely gets the adrenaline pumping. It's getting me pumping right now. And essentially, give me Fight Island right now. I cannot wait for Abu Dhabi in the Arab Emirates in Yas Island. I can't wait for that. Great marketing and business move again by Dana White. But that is all we have for UFC. In our last segment, I've been told that Mr. Jonathan Banks has been a mainstay segment on the Wolf's Den podcast, and that is called Rattle My Cage, which essentially is a miscellaneous topic that I and my guests are know about or into that you, the viewers, are necessarily not. But this week, we'll do a new variation that I did last week, and that is called Den's Dagger. So for Andrew, I know you were a big um, sports reporters fan on ESPN with John Saunders. They did something called the parting shots, and essentially that's what this is. So anything that you have in your mind, now would be the time to do it it's kind of like at the end of around the horn when the winner gets their 30 seconds or whatever I, but this is better than that so you, you go for it this i would say that this is better than that absolutely jordo uh, <laughs> Thank i you. think you know i i talked when we talk about the mlb i was saying that i'm, I'm very cautiously optimistic right now um but I, the mlb is on, on a different tier for me because like i said i'm a huge baseball fan and i'm just pissed off that the owners and players didn't get a deal done prior to this because they should be playing baseball already right now i think if the corona, if they they could get the health and safety stuff in order, they should be playing. Opening day should have been July fourth, and that would have been absolutely electric. Um, but but besides that, um, you know, sports are are my life, and certainly a huge part of you two, you two guys' lives. And we we've been a part of it together in, in college, reporting on on Quinnipiac athletics. Um, so you know, it's it's been a, it's been a tough couple of months, obviously for me, and I'm sure for you guys as well, and all sports fans around the world. But we're finally, slowly but surely, like I said, starting to get back into it. Um, and albeit it will definitely not be normal until, you know, fans are, are packed and packing stadiums and stuff like that. Um, it'll certainly be, be back to normal then. But um, hopefully we, all we got to do is just stay positive here, uh, can continue to, you know, keep up on the breaking news and just use our platforms to, to, to you know, talk about these sports and keep it up and running because I don't want these sports to die, obviously, and that's not going to happen. Um, because they're billion-dollar industries and they're not going to go away even with a, you know, a four- or five-month layoff. But um, it sucks, obviously. This whole thing is still you know, crazy to me that um, it's, it's, it's been three months since this quarantine's happened, and it feels like you know, five years. Um, but but so, so, slowly but surely, we're getting back to it. A month's time, we'll have hopefully baseball and, and basketball and hockey back. And then a couple months' time, we'll get, we'll get football going. So um, it, it, it sucks right now, and it's been, it's been bad the last couple months. But we're getting there. We're getting there. Keep, keep holding that hope. All right, all right. So, coronavirus, MLB, that was Andrew Myers, Den Dagger. I hope your cage is rattled. Jack, you're up next. Andrew, I just want to say bravo, dude. Bravo. That was absolutely amazing. But, dude, like, I just, you know, I'm a big NFL guy. I mean, I grew up playing baseball my whole life, and I've been a huge Yankee fan my whole life. Don't get me wrong. I love watching baseball, like playoff baseball. I love – I know a lot of people, you know, talk crap about baseball, and they're like, oh, it's such a boring sport to watch. But nothing's better than going to a baseball game on like a Saturday, Sunday, but I'm going to say this right now. If the NFL comes back, I'm just saying get ready for the New York Giants. I know I say this a lot. Andrew's giving me that look. But listen, I'm telling you, Danny <laughs> Dimes this year, Saquon Barkley, Darius Slay, and I think Joe Judge hopefully can put all the pieces together. And I'm just, you know, I'm just really excited to see what happens. You know, it's a really tough schedule this year, and I'm just happy to see, you know, that their talent's being put to the test. And, you know, hot take me as always, JQ. Saquon's running for 2,000 rushing yards this year, and that's all I got to wow. say. Wow. 
All right, all right. That it was the rest of the NFL. That was Jack Den's dagger. I hope your cage is rattled for the New York Giants because I would love to see them win too. So my Den's dagger is not going to actually be about sports, but because you guys are on, you kind of reminded me of something I was involved in during the holidays, and that is Holiday Hottie. I'm going to put a disclaimer out there for my Den's dagger is that I want another chance. I hope if you're in the Holiday Hottie cabinet, I hope you consider the outcomes that happened last year, and I want – chance number two i want to be back on that stage i will rap one day by Maz yahoo if i have to i'll create a new intro i don't care man put me on that stage put the audience members there it was an electric environment i had so much fun so holiday hottie cabinet and quinpiac that was my dens dagger i hope your cage is rattled and now we'll move into just free time our last couple seconds here if you guys want anything else you would like to say that's not sports related or anything before I move into my outro and end the podcast up. I just want to say, I see that one. I'm looking at the notes. It says our favorite QU memories. Um, I got to be, you know, honest with you guys. It was probably joining QBSN this year for me, you know, in the fall of junior year, I just like, oh. you know, you guys have been in it, you know, since day one and stuff like that. And I know Jordan, you lived in Dana with me. I did. Like that that. And you guys, you guys always used to tell me about QBSN, like how I should get involved freshman sophomore year. I just want to, you know, Thank you guys for getting me so involved because I love it so much. And probably my favorite memory from that was was covering the Yale and Quinnipiac hockey game. I was running multimedia and just like it was my first Yale Quinnipiac hockey game ever going to as a student. So I'm just like the atmosphere was electric. Like I was sweating through my suit. I was just so like amped up and like it was just, you know, a great time. But, dude, I just got to thank you guys for getting me, you know, so involved in QBSN. And, you know, I just hope, we, you know, guys, we can call some games in the fall and, you know, in the spring and the winter, of course. All right. We'll see what happens. Andrew, that was great, Jack. Yeah, yeah, I'll just, I'll just, I'll, I'll jump on Jack's coattails for that year. That's, that's definitely a lot of my, a lot of my QU memories have come from QBSN covering sports. That's obviously, uh, that's something I want to do with my profession. I want to be, you know, a beat reporter or, or a broadcaster or anything like that. Just being involved in sports, uh, pretty much until I die, maybe if I'm lucky enough, being able to pull Vince Scully and go out there and just keep doing it for 60, 70 years. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's obviously been awesome. And Quinnipiac is definitely, uh, you know. One of the one of the top schools in the country, at least in in my eyes, with giving guys opportunities in the, in the sports industry. Um, right off the bat, I mean, I covered my first game I think three weeks into my college into my college experience in freshman year. So uh, we de- we definitely give a lot of guys opportunities. Um, and this year was definitely you know I think the biggest year, at least in my eyes, in the first three years that I was here um, with with in terms of you know expanding expanding our coverage and and expanding our our membership we had a, we had you know 50 close to 50 people at every meeting where i remember freshman year uh we had maybe you know 25 or 30 so it's definitely growing um, i'm excited to be part of that e-board this year and then continue to mold these young minds and uh yeah the mac today actually announced september 11th is going to be their tentative start to the fall schedule so hopefully that that plans out and we'll get I'm some we'll get some soccer and you know and rugby and field hockey out there in the fall and then we'll, we'll pump it out up, up at the puck in, in, in the winter, the People's United Center. <laughs> uh, ho- hopefully that thing is rocking. And we got, we got 4,000 QU fans up there watching, watching our boys uh, fight for a national championship. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get back up there. And uh, hopefully we are able, able to cover, cover the, our Bobcats and uh, see if we can get some, create some more memories in our final year here. Oh, that, that was beautiful, man. Uh, so that is the dream. Hopefully it becomes a reality. That was Andrew's favorite QU memory. I will go quickly. I'm going to go in a different route because unfortunately for me, I haven't shown up to a QBSN meeting yet. And as for 2.30, <laughs> I'm on the mailing list. I, I say that I'm still on the mailing list. So 
is what it is. But my uh, favorite KU memory is going to be the three plus one formal. And why is that? Because our program, that's right. I explained in my first episode, basically what that is, is you get a bachelor's degree in three years, master's in one, the school of communications. It's a blessing to have that in your life. And my favorite, this is my favorite memory because it was the first time I ever brought a date. And this girl is dating someone else now. And that is completely okay. She went in here her separate way. I read mine, but for the night, it was a night to remember Basically, I won a three plus one superlative called the three plus one pride award. I have a video saved in my phone. I pretty much pulled WWE Jordan right there, went on top of a chair, kind of put my arms up. And I was like, yeah, Kevin Higgins stood up and cheered me on. And it, it was fantastic, man. It was, it was such a good time and everyone being there together and dancing and smiling. And that's hopefully what I, we can get back to in the future because I never thought it'd be taken away. But that is completely different from what you guys said, and that is my favorite key memory. But that was awesome. And that is that. We'll move on to the outro. First will be for me. First off, thank you to Andrew and Jack for coming on because this was a great time, and I had a great time talking sports and, and memories and reminiscing with them because it, it was great. So please be sure to follow at JordanWolf26 on Twitter and at the Den one on Twitter for ep weekly episode releases at JordanWolf26 on Instagram at Peel6 on Snapchat. I know very unique name, Jack. Now will be the time to divulge your socials. I mean, yeah, guys, if you want to follow me, you know, talk some giants or, you know, just follow me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is Jack at Jack underscore Quartararo, Q U A R T A R A R O. I know it's a really long last name and it's, hard to kind of pronounce and stuff like that but it's okay we're gonna step aside from that but if you want to follow me you know on my giants account it's uh at talking big blue and then you know it'll just pop up it's called talking big blue jq so you know i appreciate this all the support and jordan i just want to say dude like congrats on your undergraduate graduation oh, and stuff like oh, that man, thank I you mean, i know it's probably not what you wanted you didn't get to go up on center stage and like you know do like a wwe like you know jump up celebration <laughs> i would have done that i easily would have done like that, that. <laughs> but i'm gonna need to see this video so you're gonna have to post it to twitter or something get I'll out of the comfort you. zone throw that thing up no throw it up on twitter i'll oh, retweet God. it be, come on dude you gotta but you know guys, i might i might you have to but dude jordan i just want to say thanks for having me on you run a great show dude the wolf's den I love it, dude. So just keep doing what you're doing, my man. Oh, that, that was so nice, Jack. No problem. I, I will continue to follow in your footsteps. Please be sure to listen to him on Talking Big Blue with JQ and Empire Sports Media for some cool content. Andrew, now will be the time to divulge your socials. Yes, sir. Uh, Twitter is probably where I'm most active. You can follow me, uh, my personals, at, at underscore A underscore Myers. Uh, I'm talking mostly Philadelphia sports, but I'll give my, I'll give some sports takes every now and then, and maybe some pop culture references. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Jordo, I've gone back and forth a couple times. We have on, on, on some things. It's probably uh, not yeah. the way to talk to people, but you know, we did it. It's okay. Yeah, that's fine. We we want the people to know our opinions. You know, we, we go do. we go out there and, and we we give out some hot takes. Uh, my my Bird Brains podcast, my Eagles podcast. I have a Twitter account for that at Bird Brains underscore Pod. Uh, I haven't been as active this all season as I wanted to be, and I know that Jack's blowing me out of the water with his podcast. He's throwing. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I'll, I'll be more active once the season gets up and running. Uh, hopefully, we will have a season. Um, so you can go and follow that on Twitter as well. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm just I'm I'm again honored to be to be a guest on this Wolfstein here. Oh man, uh, Jordo continues to to pump out these podcasts and uh, you know gets gives me some coronavirus stuff to to listen to here. So. I appreciate you having me on, uh, Jordo. I, I'm a, a, nice to see JQ again and talk some sports with him. And um, hopefully we can see you guys in a couple of weeks up at QU. Oh, I, yeah, that's the dream, man. And, and, of course, no problem. This was so much fun for me. And 
One last thing I will say is to thank the nurses who continue to battle COVID-19 because, again, even though where Jack, Andrew, and I live, everything's going down and it feels like normal life, it's not the case in the southern states. And so I continue to want to say thank you to all of them for battling this and going in there and going in unprompted. And even though we don't have a, a quick testing plan and things are kind of out of control, they, they just continue to do the best they can and bust their ass. And for that, I, I say thank you. So that is that episode seven is finito. I will see you guys next week for episode eight of the Wolf's Den podcast. Peace out, Girl Scout. Woo!